0: Hi, this is episode 34 of K. Ray Reads to You. Today we have part 2 of chapter 12 of Absolute Zero by Helen Cresswell. None of these people cared who got trodden down in the process, or whether the Bagthorps themselves were left limp and drained, shadows of their former selves. The man who turned up to direct the happiest family in England was called PJ by the crew, and the Bagthorpes hated him on sight. "'The feeling appeared to be mutual. "'He had hardly been in the house half an hour "'before he lighted on the plain truth "'that the Bagthorpes were not the happiest family in England. "'Though you had better try and look it,' he told them, "'there is such a thing as breach of contract.' "'By the end of the first day's filming, "'the younger Bagthorpes were all for breaching the contract "'and taking the consequences, "'but their mother pleaded with them to go on for all their sakes. "'If we make the effort and act happy,' she said, "'we may well come to be happy. "'It is a known psychological fact. "'And besides, we want people to think we are happy, don't we? "'And besides, we are happy, really.' "'Grandma was adamant that Daisy should figure in the film, "'and the Parkers came over each day. "'This had a bad effect on Mrs. Fosdyke, "'who was by now irremediably nervous in the vicinity of Daisy. "'She was forced to act happy herself on occasion.' P.J. decided that the tin-shaking should be shown as an example of the kind of zany, high-spirited larking the Bagthorps went in for. On the day scheduled for the filming of this sequence, Mrs. Fosdick arrived with her hair newly and drastically permed by Mrs. Pye and prepared for the worst. She went obediently through the routine of asking William, whose turn it was, according to the rota, to open a tin of apricots for dessert. The family already seated at the table with spoons at the ready, waited for the inevitable minced beef or mushy peas to appear. William, who considered that he had not so far figured sufficiently prominently in the film, made great play with the tin opener. He finally lifted the lid of the tin with something like reverence to reveal, his first bullseye, apricots. The Bagthorpe's as one broke into hysterical laughter, and Mrs. Fosdyke herself burst into tears, P.J. fumed and swore and said it was a conspiracy, and the whole sequence had to be filmed again, this time with Mrs. Fosdyke sniffing and dabbing at her nose throughout. It was this kind of thing that led to a sort of creeping madness in the Bagthorpe household. Each of its members, as the days went by, began to behave in an increasingly pronounced manner, to become, as it were, twice their usual selves. William, for instance, when not actually needed for filming, would go up to his room and beat out tattoos of hitherto unequalled frenzy and duration. Rosie took to doing unflattering but recognizable portraits of P.J., and leaving them scattered around everywhere, and Tess quoted from Voltaire in every third sentence, and kept using words like incontrovertible and charismatic. P.J. tried to persuade Mrs. Spagthorpe to get her husband back from the health farm, but this she steadfastly refused to do she would not even divulge the name of the place he was staying. This had been agreed before Mr. Bagthorpe had left. "'I don't mind looking happy just once,' he said, "'if I can remember how. "'I'm used to sacrifices. "'I'll do my bit at the end.' During the rest of the film, Mr. Bagthorpe was to appear only, as it were, by suggestion. The rest of the family, for instance, was made to tiptoe smilingly past his study door, with the implication that they recognized and understood that a creative writer was in there, creating. Even Mrs. Fosdike was made to do this, although her usual practice was to make as much rattling and banging as possible within earshot of the study as retaliation for the looks Mr. Bagthorpe sometimes gave her. P.J. also did a close-up of the notice Mr. Bagthorpe had pinned on the study door, and read, "'Little children who come unto me suffer,' as evidence of his delightful and whimsical humor. Mrs. Bagthorpe had rung her husband on his first evening and told him how well the Happy Family Project was going. She did not, however, tell him about Zero. There was no way, she thought, that any health farm would be able to help Mr. Bagthorpe if he heard about Zero and the one hundred thousand pounds. She did not believe anybody would be able to help him. On this occasion, he had begged her not to phone during the rest of his stay. "'Don't write, either,' he had said. "'I need silence. "'I need to feel my way back into being human again.' "'Mrs. Spagthorpe had thought this sounded hopeful, "'and was determined to cooperate. "'She resisted all attempts to invade his privacy, "'and looked forward to the end of the week "'when her husband would return to his family a changed man. "'Miracles,' she repeated to herself firmly and often, "'do happen.' And that's the end of chapter 12 of Absolute Zero. Come and visit me at my blog, www.kray.org. See you next time.